Welcome to The After Chat. Real questions. Real talk. Real life. Well, hey, so last week we asked a serious question, okay, to start off the after chat. Well, it wasn't really that serious. I'm going to ask another serious question tonight. So, you find a snake in your house. Do you let it go? Stop talking. (laughs) Do you let it go or do you dispatch of the snake? Just leave the house. house. Leave the house. 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 Sell it. It's gone. gone. You're moving. My wife's selling the house. Everybody's selling the house. She's gone. Probably to another county. Yeah. Well, I have... I cannot. I probably have to leave the house too and call the fire department. <laughs> but I used Somebody to have chickens, and the snake would get in there. Oh and I God. have mm. had to take care of snakes, but that's outside, oh. not in my house. Well, this may be a new tactic for a realtor to put some snakes <laughs> if they want to sell the house. Right? Yeah. Well, hey, thank you for joining us for the after chat from wherever you are watching or listening from today. I'm your host Stuart Britton, and I have some amazing guests here with me tonight. I have Bess Stoddard here with me, and Sandra Moore. Nick Waters, and Sarah Francis. We are so glad that you all are here tonight. So last week, we were talking about the most common mental health issue that people face in our country today, and that is anxiety. And out of that conversation, it has spurred on so many other conversations since that episode that we wanted to continue down that line, um, talking about mental health, and talk about where, where these mental health journeys have led some folks to. Mm-hmm. So just to be clear again, we're not here to diagnose mental health issues or to treat mental health issues. We're here to have a compelling, real conversation about what these mental health issues look like in our lives and to also give you some perspective on PCC's weekend teaching on this topic. So with that, I'd like to hear what has your mental health journey been like? Well, for me, I I think that I don't remember a time in my family where uh, mental health wasn't um, wasn't being dealt with or there wasn't an issue. I had a grandmother with a pretty severe um, mental health issue. Um, She was diagnosed with depression and anxiety and um, had had even had shock treatments and lots of lots of therapy um, that probably wouldn't be done now to deal with those issues. Um, so I remember it from a young age, um, dealing with it, um, how to navigate through it. And then as I became an adult, I realized that, you know, I also had some anxiety and some OCD tendencies, was diagnosed with that mm-hmm. and um, have not needed medication to deal with those issues. Uh, not that I'm opposed to that, but I've been able to manage that um, without medication. And um, so, it, it's been it's been sort of my entire life weaved in and out in some way or another. I would say uh, my I felt pretty good my childhood, and then when I got to college, things started unraveling for me. And my dad passed away from cancer, and I got very depressed. I guess I felt like the rug had been pulled out from under me. My my rock my my stability was gone. And then I got married and my father-in-law decided to leave um, mm-hmm. and be with another woman. And that also brought great fear into my marriage because I thought, well, 
that could happen to me. And I became just consumed by fear and the fear of abandonment. And what if, what if I'm left alone? And I, it just was constantly on my mind and I couldn't um, let my husband go anywhere without being just, I became controlling and, you know, it was just really, really awful. I became um, very depressed and I would feel that I had like meltdowns and the anxiety was, you know, very high and, you know, sometimes felt just like suicidal, but um, I took some medication for a while that helped me kind of get out of a pit. Um, But it's been a constant it, it rears its head, you know, it, it, I'll be good. And then it'll come, it'll come out. Certain things will trigger anxiety and fear of abandonment in me. Um, and something I've learned over the, my life is a lot of our anxiety is because of, it's a fear. There's a fear of something, whether it's a fear of abandonment or a fear of uh, loss or whatever. If we look if we go back, we can usually find there's something we're terrified of happening mm-hmm. to us. Maybe it's something that did happen or it mm-hmm. could. Um, it's usually at the root. <laughs> so so when, that, when, when that fear rears its head, the way you put it there, what, what do you do? How do you find, how do you deal with that? Uh, well, years ago, I came across Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Mm. In the New Living Translation, it popped out at me. I'd always learned it in like the King James or whatever as a child. When I read it in the New Living and it said, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Mm-hmm. And I printed those verses in large print mm-hmm. on, and I posted them everywhere on my mirror all over my kitchen by the TV. They were everywhere. A new decorating trend. <laughs> yes, exactly. I had them all over. But I had to keep focusing on that mm. until my mind started. Whenever mm. I'd have a fear, I'd remember, pray mm. about it. Pray about it. And it be- started to become a habit of when the anxiety hit me, I just prayed. Mm. And then I looked for something to be thankful for. Mm. Those verses, um, those were the key. And, mm. and it's not like it's over, but I learned you know, when that happens, not to stay there as long and go to the Lord. And it really does. He really does give peace. Well, is it, what you just said is like a follow-up to our last episode. Yes. Yes. We used uh, that, that scripture there. So mm-hmm. if you didn't catch that, I want to encourage you to go back and take mm-hmm. a look at that. Because um, um, Ellis does share that scripture with us mm-hmm. uh, in the last episode. So. Mm-hmm. How about you, Nick? What's your um, journey on mental health been? Something she said stuck out to me um, that I realized along my mental health journey, and I learned this in uh, Celebrate Recovery, mm-hmm. that every day is a fight. And what that means to me is it's not something that just goes away or you magically overcome it. And I think I always look for that to happen, like, okay, I'll get it together and this thing will be gone. But that's not the case. It's a fight every day. And sometimes you go for a long period of time winning and winning and it's super easy. And then um, then some days are really hard. And for me, um, anxiety has been something that now looking back, I've always had uh, since childhood, but I didn't know exactly what it was until I reached a point where Things that got difficult in my life, in my marriage, uh, my struggle with the negative inner voice in my head, 
And once I started digging into anxiety after talking with my, um, my doctor and started looking at the symptoms, like, oh, I've had this since like long as I can remember. Um, some of that might be tied to coming from a divorced family and all the struggles that come with that. So that's, uh, that's been something I just has, have specifically been targeting these last couple of years. And also right around that same time, I think I started feeling some effects from either childhood stuff, childhood PTSD, and also maybe some PTSD symptoms while I worked in the Richmond Fire Department, um, working in some busy stations and seeing a lot of death, destruction, addiction, and just, you know, it's not all kicking down doors and saving babies. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you can't even talk to people about because uh, you, you come home and talk to your family or your wife and they're just like, please stop talking. Mm -hmm. And this is everyday things that first responders deal with. Mm -hmm. And that's why most of them don't talk because they, people just don't get it. They don't mm -hmm. understand. And it's, and when you talk about it in a, with a sense of graphic reality, right. it's really hard for people to even just mm -hmm. absorb that. And um, that was, uh, like I said, I didn't notice the effects until afterwards. Um, and some of, the, so, some of what those effects looked like were, I noticed my emotions and joy and fun that I had and even interacting with my family that I loved very much it was, I was finding it more and more difficult to do mm -hmm. and getting angry a little faster. And what I ended up realizing maybe about a year ago after doing some counseling work and all that stuff is that when I would go on these difficult calls, I would, you know, shut down everything emotionally and just be focused on getting the job done. However, along with shutting a part of myself off, I would lose a part of myself too. And it's like, I just kept these things in a little box, but I didn't, I wouldn't wake up in the middle of the night and have night terrors or things typical of PTSD. So it was almost like something that slowly chipped away over the years that I didn't notice until it was an obvious problem, you know, at least to everybody around me. And I think a lot of people didn't really have the courage to tell me, you know, cause Probably some days would be good, some days weren't, but it was tough for everyone. Well, you said that you, you know, it was difficult because you didn't have that place to come home and, and share that. Did, did, you, did you find a place to, to talk? Do you have a group that you talk with, you know, about those things? Or you said you mentioned you went to counseling. Is that what you do? You talk to a counselor about? Yeah, and I think that when I was working in the fire department, uh -huh. you know, you have a crew of guys or girls, or men or women that you work with and you're really close because you go through these things together mm -hmm. and they're difficult. So you can share those things with mm -hmm. them. And we have different ways of dealing with it. Maybe some extremely dark humor that would make some people uncomfortable. Um, but it's, what else do you do? You know, do you just let it destroy you? And I, I left the fire department to start my own business. And I think one of the things I didn't realize is that was a sense of community for me of people that I could talk to about these difficult things and mm -hmm. confide in. And all of a sudden I lost it. It was mm -hmm. gone. Mm -hmm. 
And um, so once I didn't have that, that's when I think the effects would start to build up and compound. Right, because you didn't have the community, but you still had that box of yeah. motion. So I went and did some really difficult counseling work and that was that helped turn things around for me um i did get on some medication for anxiety i was really worried about it because there are some medications that are really scary so this one is probably the least scary and i actually reduced the amount i was taking so that's good i think the counseling work i've done has helped me to do that but it still helps me maintain Interesting. Yes. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. I think my my journey is I have had a significant amount of issues and things that uh, have challenged me in life. But when it comes to mental health, uh, my primary journey has been through my daughter, my oldest daughter, when she was nineteen. Uh, was experiencing something that none of us understood and kind of like you. So I I had some mental health issues in my background, my family. My grandmother was clinically depressed. Other people that maybe even had some bipolar schizophrenia diagnoses, but nobody ever talked about it. It was just like, oh yeah, well, there's this thing. And it never occurred to me that I needed to watch out for that in my own family. And at 19, when my daughter's behavior became incredibly erratic and, uh, no one understood what was happening. Uh, we tried to get get her in to see a doctor, and you have to wait for a while. We got to see a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist had one conversation with her and says, you're in the middle of a, a manic episode here. And I, we were just so ignorant, you know. I didn't know anything about uh, anything other than being depressed from time to time. That began our journey into not just a mental health education, but also the system uh, of how to get treatment and help in, in a mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. And my daughter's uh, crises were very acute when she had them. They were they resulted in several hospitalizations. And um, it's been a really interesting journey. She had a diagnosis of bipolar disorder and uh, that uh, at times would veer into psychotic episodes. And she's been on all sorts of medication and um, her journey now, we're, we're all still on it. And so I think for me, the mental health journey has been how that's impacted our family, uh, siblings, loved ones, extended family, when you're dealing with a very severely ill individual, no differently than if you had someone in your family who had cancer or some other illness, but there's a stigma attached to it yes. as well. So our journey is, wow, how do you navigate this and what do you do and how, how do we help this person when their behavior is is so ab- abnormal according mm-hmm. to society, but they're ill, like they have an illness. Mm-hmm. And it's been really interesting. Um, the system is difficult. God bless you, Sarah, for going into counseling because yes. there just aren't enough of them. It's just so hard to find people to talk to. Mm-hmm. I think it's getting better because I think people are talking about it like we are here now. Yeah. But it's been a really, really interesting journey that my daughter's been very open and willing to talk mm-hmm. about. Uh, at times we have more questions than answers. I will say that now with, with a diagnosis of bipolar disorder and I think seven hospitalizations, I want to say, in a decade uh, and a lot of devastation, a lot of loss for her, she has for a year been completely stable and unmedicated. 
which wow. is, yeah, it's like the, you know, you just don't do that. Mm-hmm. People, people always say, well, if you have an acute mental illness, you have to stay on your meds, stay on your meds, stay on your meds. Mm-hmm. And she has kind of taken the bull by the horns mm-hmm. and gotten educated into holistic health um, and just decided that wellness was a path for her. Mm-hmm. And it's not that way for everybody I know, but she, uh, we've just learned a lot just watching her navigate that with therapy and counseling and, um, and care and spiritual practices mm-hmm. that have helped her to stay well. So we're really grateful for that. But it's, it's been a wild ride. It's been a wild ride. Yeah, it has. I, and you've had some similar situations, right? Yeah. I, um, it's not that I've really, str- I mean, I think, at some point, most of us know somebody or we know somebody that knows somebody that struggles with, um, you know, their mental health. And for me, it came, you know, from my dad. I didn't, you know, I looked up to my dad and I still think that he's, you know, one of the smartest people I've ever met. And I had no idea, you know, that he struggled with this until I got a call one day that he was in the hospital. He was actually doing missionary work in Puerto Rico and he was diagnosed with PTSD from Vietnam. Um, And so I flew down there to see him and that started a conversation with him to me to try to understand that. But um, with me, it was easier. And I think that this is just something that I've been, that's why I love having this conversation here because I've struggled with having these conversations to Mm. talk about because the, you know, the the stigma stigma that you just mentioned. And sometimes it was easier just to ignore it or, well, he's getting help. He, they'll, they'll take care of him. You know, what am I going to say to my dad about this? Yeah. Because I didn't understand it. And I just really didn't want to deal with it, you yeah. know, I think in a way. So, um, but yeah, that's, you know, been mm-hmm. my experience with, you know, chronic or acute mm-hmm. mental illnesses with my father and realizing that, you know, that's something that he, you know, just, you know, it's a part of his life. Yeah. It's who he is. That's that's his life. Mm-hmm. And he's dealt with it. And he was on medication for a while. And then he, um, like your daughter's kind of looked for a more natural way to, mm-hmm. to deal with that. But mm-hmm. still, you know, has to take, you know, regular medication. Though. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, tries with it. So. I appreciate the conversation, too. And uh, uh, so much as a parent. I remember in, after a hospitalization, one of the things that my daughter said, she got out of the hospital and she said in the hospital, the people in the psych ward in the hospital were conversing about the fact that they're in the hospital. They're just, you know, they're up on the eighth floor, uh-huh. but they're in the hospital like everybody else, but they don't get flowers. Uh-huh. They get very few visits. No one sends them cards. No one even wants to say, get well soon, because what do you say when, when someone is suffering we could, that? We could like, all do better to have these conversations. Well, it's, I, I think we're people. doing better right now, I right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. we I think we we're doing better right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, hey, Pastor Angie Frame um, taught on this in one of her latest messages. And what I'd like to do now is go take a look at a clip from her message, and then we're going to come back and discuss that. See, when darkness surrounds, it also separates And friends and neighbors and family members sometimes move away from the darkness. And sometimes the darkness, it pushes them away even though they want to get close. The people I know who struggle with acute or chronic chronic mental illness, some of the loneliest, most isolated people I know. And the people who love people with acute or chronic mental illness are often lonely and isolated too because it's just so hard and overwhelming 
And though we're better at talking about it today than we've been before, there's still stigma and so much misunderstanding. Like there's so much I don't know about mental health, about what to say and do and what not to say and do. So it's tempting just to say and do nothing. But God shows us that when there's darkness, he moves toward it. He finds a way to bring light. He creates it. He sends Jesus to embody it. And Jesus might no longer be walking on this earth as a human, but we are. And when we see someone succumbing to the darkness, we can show up and reflect the light of Jesus. Still makes me emotional hearing that. Yeah, it. I know. It does. It, um, that, that hurts me a little bit to think about that because what she just said is who I am. It was easier to say nothing. Mm -hmm. Um. What did y'all get out of that? I, um, <clears throat> it made me realize, I guess, some of the darkness that I went through myself. Mm -hmm. And it is hard to talk about um, because if people have a certain image of you, mm -hmm. if you tell them this weakness that you have, then it almost changes you in their sight. And sometimes they don't know how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I experienced this somewhat in my marriage um, where I told my wife I, was, I experienced these negative thoughts a lot and I was having a hard time dealing with them. And she had always seen me as somebody who was like confident, strong, could handle a lot of different situations and seemed unflappable. So when I open up like that, she's, you know, how do, how do you react to that, you know? So I guess one of the things that might be worth talking about is, you know, how do you open up to somebody and start these avenues of conversation because it is isolating. And for me, it was really hard to admit that self, admit that, admit that to myself out loud, much less to my wife, somebody who I loved very much. And I didn't want to, you know, put my own pain on her. And it, it kind of makes you retreat to that darkness mm -hmm. a little bit mm -hmm. and isolate yeah mm -hmm. and so how did she how did she receive that though i mean i know that you said that can you know cause problems but you know mm -hmm. how did how did your wife receive that when you told her how you felt my wife like? has she's always been supportive and we worked through a lot of difficult things mm -hmm. um so I don't really know. I think because I was in such a dark place, mm -hmm. I wasn't sure. No matter how she reacted, I probably perceived it negatively mm -hmm. because I was just in a space of, I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. I can't do anything right. Mm -hmm. Like, um, just kind of beating myself up. Mm -hmm. And I kind of felt like I was failing in every aspect of my life. So mm -hmm. she, she probably could have told me all kinds of stuff and I would have just said, Nope, mm -hmm. she thinks I'm a loser, mm -hmm. whatever. And I, I, I really, had, I appreciate you saying that because, because you said no matter how she reacted, you were you were kind of had a mm -hmm. predetermined reaction to it because of your headspace, which yeah. certainly complicates a person trying to care for somebody. Yes. Like uh, I don't know, you you experienced that as a campus pastor, right? Yes, and and also personally, yeah. like with my grandmother, you know, when she was in an episode, I, we were very close. I mean, she was probably one of the closest people 
to me growing up my entire life. But when she was in a dark place, I, I would go see her every Tuesday, every Tuesday morning, no matter what. And every Tuesday morning, she would say, I didn't know you were coming. And <laughs> she would have this breakfast you know, spread, and then she would just sit there and cry and cry oh, and oh. cry. And no matter how, no matter what I, just being present, because it wasn't, there wasn't anything I could say or do. You just have to be present with that person. And, you know, logically, I'm thinking, you knew I was coming. There's food prepared and I, it's Tuesday, you know, but, but when you're in that place, you can't, you can't receive yeah. the love and the care that other people are trying to offer you. This is really helpful to me because I know that from our experience in a manic episode, um, you can't rationally engage with someone right. because they're generally not, they're just not rational. Mm-hmm. But I'd never thought about applying. So, oh, and I back up to say, so we, I knew you just kind of do the baseline. We need to stay safe. We need to not do any damage. We need to just kind of keep some boundaries there. But I never thought about thinking about someone who was dealing with anxiety or depression in the same way that you just kind of because it seems like you. It seems like we should be able to help someone. Mm-hmm. Right. I, do you, do you, I think presence? What she said is presence. That is so key. Just because I'm. I mean, a lot of us we want to fix problems. Mm-hmm. We want to say the right thing that just makes everything better. Most of the time, there's nothing you can say that's going to just fix it. It's being your wife being just sticking by your side, mm-hmm. just being there. You're, you're, you being with your grandma, just presence and just listening, someone to listen. Mm-hmm. But I think something we were talking about a little while ago, maybe you, um, we ice, when we're going through something like a depression or anxiety, we tend to want nobody to know. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody mm-hmm. to know that I've been crying, so I try to... Um, schedule my crying for when I'm not going anywhere in a few minutes. Like, I'll have to wait. I'll have to put it off until after church or Mm. after these people stop by. And then I'll do my, I'll have my meltdown. You know, I, that's somehow, sometimes how I think, because I don't want my eyes to be puffy. I don't want anybody to know Mm. that my, that I feel broken, that I feel like I'm just a disaster. You know, Mm. I have those days I'll go for a walk and I'll just cry and, Oh God, I'm so broken. And I feel like I'm the only one. You know, mm. you look around, you think, I think I'm the only one that mm. thinks this way. There's really something wrong with me. Um, that's, I think that's really key. That's one of the things I noticed too. And it, I guess it's helped me open up some more and share some of my story because when you open yourself up to be vulnerable, it's really hard at first. But when you get in a space where you can share it, then other people open up as well. Or if you seek out resources and you find out there are other people struggling with the same things, it it helps you feel less alone because it, it is very isolating. And especially if you have people around you that love you and they care about you and they want to help you. And what even makes it worse is when you're in the dark spaces, a lot of times you know what you need to do and you just can't do it. And for like you were saying, a fixer, for me, somebody who's always had to take action, it, it, it just makes the negativity that much more hard to carry. 
mm-hmm. because it's like I know what to do. Why can't I do this? Now I feel even worse, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's, I guess, part of that beginning struggle. But if you get strong enough to share it and find community, it, it does help out. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's really what, you know, I was just hearing between you two is being present. Mm-hmm. It all starts with being present there with somebody that's struggling or somebody that you know struggles themselves is being there with them being in that community mm-hmm. and just being willing to to be there not necessarily to try to fix it mm-hmm. but just to listen mm-hmm. and to share that struggle well for those of you who are watching and listening out there that's our hope for you that if you struggle with mental health issues or someone that you love struggles with that, that you're just gonna be there. Maybe you just be there for them, that you would share with other people with that same struggle that you have. Because like Nick said, whenever you do that, you realize that you are not alone in this. And these conversations, we all benefit from them. So I hope that you'll consider doing that. Maybe you'll be that light that God sends into somebody's dark world and maybe he'll send that person that you're sharing with. Maybe they'll be the light into your darkness and to help us continue to have these great conversations about mental health. Listen, we have a lot of great resources for you at our show description. We also have the link in there for Pastor Angie's entire message. I wanna encourage you to, to go and watch. Come back next week. We're going to be talking about something that every single one of us has faced, even Jesus himself. We hope that you'll come back for the next After Chat. Thanks for joining us for The After Chat. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To be the first to hear our next episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button to get notifications for new content. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at PCC Wired and Facebook at Passion Community Church. For additional resources and links, check out the description. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on The After Chat.